welcome to Gutsy Matters Podcast, brought to you by storednaturally.com. I'm Wendy Allen. And I'm Helen Reynolds. Gutsy Matters Podcast is for independent thinkers who aren't afraid to stand out from the crowd. Our conversations are with people who, like us, are willing to create something they believe in, something that helps us all to live more sustainably, more consciously, and with greater connection. We're delighted you're joining us to discover, uncover, and create opportunities and perspectives about health, wealth, and sustainable living. Hello, everyone. It's Helen here, and today I have the privilege of chatting with Ash Andrews, Toowoomba's very own grassroots chef. And he has a beautiful plant based lifestyle with his wife, Jess, and his beautiful daughters, Willa and Rumi. Asha, you've really made this plant-based lifestyle and your cooking classes and your, you know, catering and really embodied this into a complete lifestyle. You know, that's the way you travel. You're not scared of trekking with the, with the whole family. And now you've got a really big project to run 5,000 kilometres in your Eating for Change campaign. Yeah. So... Uh- Tell us, where would you like to start? I, I really love that you trekked um, three kilometres through Tasmania with two very young daughters. And I guess that gave you the foundation for, for scaling up to something as big as, as going from, the, you know, from Byron Bay all the way across to the furthest western point of Australia next year. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to talk about the, uh, the trek. And we've done a couple of walks, uh, like Jess and I. Unfortunately, we haven't been start to get into it until we already had children. So it's made made trekking and camping a little bit more difficult. That was also sort of the catalyst of getting into that sort of thing as well. Yeah, we took Willa on a on a couple of hikes. Actually, we did the uh, the Wollongong Trail up near in between Canton Townsville and on an island, and that was amazing. And we also took Willa and Rumi when she was still in the womb on a trek in uh, New Zealand, the Ruth Thorn Trail, which was amazing. And then, yeah, when Rumi came along, she was about four months old when we did the hike down at the Three Capes in Tasmania, which was much more difficult than just carrying one child. But, um, you know, it has its own elements of reward as well. You know, not everything in life is super easy. And sure, if Jess and I were to just do one of these treks by ourselves, we might have a bit of time just to sit and... You know, like just in taking the view or, or whatever it might be. So it's a different experience, but it's sort of no less rewarding and certainly like a really amazing exposure for our kids as well and sort of teaching them just to, just to be out there and, and to connect to nature, which is the main reason for doing these sort of hikes. And, and um, you know, we try and get out a lot around town as well. Really important for us that the girls have that connection to nature. So yeah, the trek in New Zealand itself, the most most recent with with both the girls, yeah, it was about about four days, three nights. So, and it's quite you know it's it's set up really well. We're quite fortunate with a trail like that. There's, there's huts on the way, so we can cook our food and and um, you know have a break, so we don't need to carry as much gear, which is fortunate because um, there's not too much room left in the backpacks when you've got the girls in there as well. You know, I'd recommend people doing things like this because, as I said, it's not necessarily the easiest option. But it definitely has a has a whole host of rewards as well. 
It really sounds amazing. And the, the thing that I remember from when you did the Tassie one is you had to take all your food with you, didn't you? And you did a lot of dehydrating mm. and food prep, you know, long before you went. Yeah, definitely, yeah, cooking all our food along the way. Yeah, it's really interesting how, well, like a walk like that, it's what, what's one of the great things about it is that it really simplifies your life. You sort of, you wake up and you have breakfast and pack up for the day and your only real obligation is to get to the next destination, however sort of much time and whatever fashion you, you like. And so it just takes things back to that real sort of like shelter and food sort of concept, which is, again, like important, I think, in, you know, the sort of society that we live in these days to sort of just simplify a little bit now and again and put, and put things in perspective. So doing something like that really helps. And yeah, so, and, and just that you can carry, literally carry with you all you need to survive for the, that, for that, you know, short period of time. You know, it might be short, but you can, you can carry what you need, the essentials for life. And, you know, it's also really fun just figuring out how and what to bring food-wise particularly. You know, what is going to be practical, what's going to fill everyone up, or Jess and I and, and uh, the two girls, and certainly Willa, you know, very substantially as well. So, yeah, it's just it's, it's fun figuring that out, I guess. And I guess that sort of leads into your passion for the Eating for Change campaign. You know, a big part of that is your desire to help reconnect people to their food or their source of food and mm. and to really engage in where their nutrition and where their sustenance I suppose comes from yeah so tell yeah, us so that, a little that, bit yeah. about that yeah so that's, the, that's the, the theme right through our business and our lifestyle as well and I guess the Eating for Change campaign is about bringing that to the attention of a greater audience in Australia in particular is that we feel very separate and isolated from the rest of the world, like the health and environmental implications that are happening elsewhere don't really affect us somehow, like like we're immune to it. And what's underlying that, of course, is that we're not, we're exactly the same as everyone else. You know, our health statistics are in line with that of America. Our, you know, environmental and land use is, is on par with, you know, the averages across the world. And the, yeah, so the campaign is really sort of highlighting, the idea of the campaign is to really highlight these things and draw the connections between food, so what we eat, and how it affects not only our health, but our land and our environment and, you know, our planet as a whole, and how those two things, along with, you know, just the, the treatment of animals as well, um, are just really intimately connected. You know, there's, there's nothing that happens on Earth that doesn't affect something else. You know, everything's energetically connected. Mm. And so when you make a choice to put something in your mouth, that has a follow-on effect or, you know, has, has a ripple. And the idea is just to really, really just bring that to the Australian psyche, I suppose. You know, I feel like that's what we've been doing in our community here in Toowoomba for some time. And, you know, honestly, I just feel really called to to sort of spread that as much as I can. Well, I was just going to say, you, you're going to be bringing a, a lot of attention to your campaign by running 5,000 kilometres. I just can't even imagine running that far. Mm, yeah. tell, us, tell us why, how you decided to 
What what made you decide to do that? Yeah, well, I guess yeah, like like I was saying, I feel really called to this to this mission, I suppose, or this this cause. You know, often you need some sort of draw card in that. You know, beyond just you know advertising on Facebook that I do classes or something. You know, like you know, I felt like that it was more important or important at this time in my life to to really try and bring that to a different level. I love to run. I am not clearly a professional runner or anything like that. And in fact, it was only after having closed the restaurant that I had started to run. I, you know, we've been in the industry for working in our own restaurant for about nine years prior. And through that time, the, the strains of that industry have really not allowed for any sort of outside physical effort. So there's been a big break between high school, you know, where I used to cycle a lot, and now to where I'm running a lot. So there's really no, you know, no groundwork in there. But, you know, yeah, so what, what I'm trying to say is so when, when we closed up the restaurant, I finally had this opportunity to sort of explore that sort of thing. And so what I found was I just really have a quite a passion for, for running specifically. And um, I think it's about its simplicity. When I used to cycle a lot, you've got a lot of other stuff that goes with it. You know, you have to buy a really good bike if you want to be competitive. You have to have the shoes. You have to have all the cycling clothing and helmets and sunglasses and, and you know, electronic equipment on your bike. And, and running really simplifies it. And I think that's a good metaphor for where I was at in my life or even as a family where we're at, just really simplifying things down to what's really important. So with running, you know, you can just wear what shoes you have already if you want and you just head out and you connect to nature and, and be out in the fresh air and catch a sunrise or a sunset and, uh, you know, feel the breeze and connecting to nature. So the running aspect of it is about the environmental, the land, and the connection that we need to sort of try and draw ourselves back to as a population or as a society, and running represents that to me. The actual decision to run um, that particular route, going from yeah, Cape Byron, the most easterly point of Australia, to um, Steep Point, the most westerly point of Australia, you know, has lots of different elements. You know, there's always some sort of level of ego involved in these sort of decisions. You know, I like the idea of being able to do that, but the real cause or the real sort of uh, catalyst, of course, is the, the, the message behind it, which is that, you know, Australians need to look at what we eat and start thinking about, you know, the, the processes behind it and how it affects all life on the planet. I think an action like this helps to draw people in and take an interest in what you're doing and so they're more willing to listen to the message. And I suppose that's why the run part of it is important. You know, that people may not be as interested if I just put up a post saying I'm going to be, you know, speaking about why plant-based lifestyle is most beneficial. You know, there's only a, a limit to how many people want to hear that at this point. But if you have something else to complement that, then sort of create a bit of an interest from a different demographic of people, which are, you know, the ones who ultimately we want to get through to who need to hear it the most. A lot of people wouldn't believe that it would be possible to fuel your body on a vegan plant-based lifestyle for 5,000 gruelling kilometres. That's right, yeah, <laughs> which is part of it as well, absolutely. Um, there's still that perception in the general public mind that 
you know, you can't get the nutrients that you need by only eating plants. And uh, so part of that is, of course, you know, you know, busting those those myths around that. And you know, ironically, of course, plants are the most nutrient rich and nutrient dense food that you can eat. Uh, so, you know, sharing that little bit of knowledge, I suppose, is important. Absolutely, yeah. Regardless of how you eat, you have to think about the, you know, running that many kilometers a day. You are going to have to rethink the way you eat anyway. But certainly, the, the best way to do that would be to fuel it with the with the cleanest, most nourishing foods on the planet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's definitely part of it. I think you know. I think that there are a lot of people, even my big meat eating brother. Like, oh well, I shouldn't say he's. He's, he's a lot larger than me. I'm very glad he came out the size he did and I came out the size I did. But he's a he's a meat and three veg man and, and a can of beer is the picture I'm kind of trying to paint. Mm. And yep. even he said to me, you know what, Helen, I, have, I only eat meat now once a week and I actually really like it. And, yeah. um, you know, I was shocked. <laughs> but there's so there's there's more and more people who are bringing more plant-based meal nights into their lifestyle or even just bringing more plants into their their sort of food habits and I was just you know you teach wonderful classes and and lots of techniques that people don't know but are you able to talk with us a little bit about how we can make plant-based food really delicious and easily sort of slip it into our lifestyle so that it can begin you know begin becoming normal yeah so yeah exactly Um, how can we we bring this way of life just into our home kitchen. So yeah, a couple of a couple of little points in there just before I start breaking that down, which is so as Australians, as as a people, as a society, we are ninety seven percent of us are fiber deficient. Okay, so fiber only comes from plants, which means that we are missing a significant element on our plate every night. Yes. You know, that's the reality. Um, only five percent of us, on average, you know, this is adults and children. Only five percent of us, on average, are eating enough fruit and vegetables. You know, these are just the, the raw statistics. It's not, you know, trying to paint, you know, this plant-based or vegan agenda or anything. That's just how it is. Mm. Um, and it begs the question, you know, what are we eating as a society? What are we eating? Um, so whether it's eating, consuming too many animal products, eggs, dairy, you know, cheese, red meat, bacon, or if it's consuming too many processed foods, which are usually included in them has has a certain level of animal products as well. But, you know, the processed food goes hand in hand with this story. You know, highly, highly, highly refined oil, salt, sugar, they're all contributing to that story. You know, these, all of these things, in my mind, are food. So we need to try and leave these out because they're not contributing to a healthy lifestyle. They're not contributing to a healthy planet. You know, so how can we begin to educate and begin to sort of break down those barriers within our society? Where we've been brought up on this idea, ingrained in us, whether it's whether whether you subscribe to being whole food, plant based, or whether you just you just gone vegan, you know, there's room in that genre to be creating more beautiful food, more uh, flavoursome and entertaining food than you've you've ever experienced before. It's about opening your palate. The thing that comes up for me when people say that say that sort of thing that 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 this sort of food can't satisfy them is that the reality of eating a, a heavily animal-based diet and heavy, heavily processed food diet is that all these foods are actually just um, an addiction rather than satisfying your actual taste buds, 
or you know those sort of more refined uh, sensory aspects. You know, these are just feeding feeding an addiction, the same as you'd be addicted to smoking or any other sort of addiction. Um, the chemicals and and products in these foods and the saturated fat, obviously, in the the big one in in all in uh, present in all these foods, like, you know, refined sugars, of course, as well. You know, these are just triggering our addiction senses and not actually satiating. Um, it's a trick, I guess, is what I'm trying to get across. Completely rethinking about about how you consider that. You have to break at that addiction and retrain your palate, which doesn't take long, but it needs to be done. And introducing flavor and texture and, you know, vibrancy back into your diet instead of just getting that that pleasure addiction tick in your in your mind, yeah. Uh, so I know I went off on a tangent there, but we'll we'll get back to the how, how we introduce it into our home. Yeah. Um, no, that's okay. So how can um, yeah. t- give us some pointers to um, ease out of any bad habits we might have and into mm-hmm. some more flavoursome, nourishing yeah. habits. So as I was saying, it's about retraining your your palate. And and retraining this, the, the social customs that we've been brought up in, um, and probably this social side of it, or you know, yeah, the way you've been brought up is potentially harder to to break than just the pure palate cleansing um, idea. But they they still all work together. So, well, yeah, what we were saying is that that often this sort of food is perceived as as bland and dull and uninteresting. Okay, so when I when we transitioned as a family, the truth of what we found was, of course, that there's an abundance of food options. You'll end up using uh, far more color and variety, far more different flavors and textures, and you know you're not going to be eating boring food. The salad you get on the side of your steak is boring. That's not what we're that's not what we're talking about. That's certainly you know, what we found when we went yeah. vegetarian. Suddenly, there were yeah. all these foods we'd never eaten before, mm. and it was exciting to discover how to eat mm. them and what they went with and what they yeah. tasted like. We didn't even know what they tasted like because we'd never eaten them no. before. So you, you know, yeah. that has been my experience. Yeah, the initial response to people is that they're afraid. They're afraid they're going to be missing out, and they don't know what to do. So. Most of the people who come to my class, for example, they have these opinions, but what it's really about is that they've just disconnected to the kitchen in general. It's not about the fact that they can only eat plants now. It's the fact that they just have no connection with how their food is grown, how it's prepared, how to add flavour. There's no there's no story there. There's no connection left. You know, we're living in this sort of instant gratification, you know, fast food society and we have no connection to the kitchen. So the classes we do are really based around this idea that that we need to reconnect to the kitchen and prioritize some time to spend cooking. I don't I tend not to sort of kid people that they're not going to have to spend more time in the kitchen like you are going to have to spend more time cooking and being involved in the food. But, you know, that process in itself is so rewarding and valuable. And the point is that, yeah, we have just 
um, we've lost lost any connection to that that way of life and that way of living. You know, we're all a lot busier and more important than we used to be. And so something like cooking our own food just isn't a priority. Whereas, the, of course, again, the reality is that when we prepare and, and consider our own food and where it comes from and how it nourishes our body and how it affects uh, the rest of the world and the environment and animals, we become connected to it and part of the story of that food. And, yeah, adding adding to that story and, and uh, instead of just, just allowing the food to sort of show up and we consume it and it does something to our body, I do a class with um, with Daniel who nourished nourished health for nutrition and uh, he has a great way of looking at it, which is is before you eat anything, like take a second and look at it and take a breath, and you'll know if it's going to nourish your body. Okay, so if I cook you a beautiful plant based meal, it's got color, it's got vibrancy. It's got, um, we know where the ingredients come from. You know, when we have a class, we talk about it, um, the story of all our food and, um, and why it's nourishing you. And so when you sit down for that meal, when you've cooked it for yourself at home and you sit down and you take your breath, then you, you don't need to fool yourself. You know, you know, like you know whether it's going to nourish your body or not. And so the other side of that is when you sit down to your fast food meal, your McDonald's burger, whatever it is, and if you take a moment and sit down and have a breath before you eat it, you know that that's not good for you. It's just filling that space in, in your gut, essentially, like if, if you can even say that. So this is a really nice practice that I definitely recommend to, to everyone, regardless of, of how you eat or what you cook. Always always do that because at the end of the day, if it's not nourishing your body and it's doing nothing, nothing for you. So how do we get more... Into ourselves though, when we when we get at home, get at home. I would recommend to people to start off simple. Don't overcomplicate things. Potentially check out a couple of recipes that you like. A couple of the recipes that you're used to cooking already. So a spaghetti bolognese is a great example, or a lasagna. You know, meals that are homely that the whole family enjoys, and that don't feel out of place. In in this in this setting at home, um, you can explore more after that. But pick a pick a couple of things that you can then transfer and make changes to um, to be to be made. So just as a plant based option, yeah. So it's so that you're not sort of you know just freaking everyone out that it's this massive change and and so on. So pick things that are simple and that you're used to and you're accustomed to. And make these changes, you know, slowly. For some, you know, uh, like a lot of people do, you resist the change, especially if you're trying to trying to do it for your whole family. You know, you need to be uh, appreciate that that everyone's going to sort of stick along at a different pace on this. Make it exciting. Get the kids involved with it. If you've got children at home, cook with your partner if you can. Being part of the process is a big part of enjoying the food at the end. And the same, like I say to people who come to my class as well, like if you can grow something in your backyard or if you can grow something in a pot on the on the veranda or wherever it might be, whatever your living situation is, it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to produce enough to feed your family, but it means that you're going to 
be able to connect to food and the way it's grown and appreciate it a little bit more. And I guess it, that goes back to that what we were talking about originally, which is like that connection to nature and, and, and the story of our food. We want to pick foods that are, that are familiar to us. We don't want to look at recipes and get overwhelmed. There's a lot of vegan recipes out there that are, are using ingredients that you know, you've never heard the name of it before. You have no sort of familiarity with how to use it um, practically anyway. So my recommendation there would be to keep your pantry and fridge stocked with similar things that you're used to using already. By doing this, you know, you're not you're not wasting to start with. You're not picking this strange ingredient that you're only going to use once anyway. And it's just a more gentle transition. Like even now, like I, I just use normal foods. I'm not out there buying, you know, strange products or anything like that. And in my classes, I make a point of that. Like we're just using regular food that you see on the shelf every day. And in doing that, yeah, you're just making that a little bit of a gentler process, I guess. I think that's a really valid uh, point because I, you know, when I when I started exploring vegan recipes and like you said, I, they included ingredients that I'd never had before, yeah. never, you know, so off I trotted to the health food store because yep. there are ingredients that weren't available at the major supermarkets and ultimately that a part of the portion of that product got used and a large portion was mm. wasted, which is really undesirable. Yeah, yeah and look, it, it creates this perception that eating this way is expensive and you end up spending more money and it's more complicated and, you know, so on and so on, um, whereas it's really not. You, what what you're really doing is just, like I said at the start of this little section, is, is reconnecting to the kitchen, reconnecting to the food itself. You know, what is real food? As I said, like a lot of these other food choices, I really don't consider as food because food you know, nourishes our body. Whereas when we're talking about animal products or processed food, you know, these are contributing to disease and poor health and wrecking the planet. Like this isn't food that, that's, that's when we describe what food does or what food should do, it should be have, have a nourishing quality to the body, of course, and not this um, neutral or actually subtractive quality where you're actually, um, you know, it's actually detrimental to your health and the world around us, which is, yeah. So, again, that's, that's what that uh, Eating for Change campaign is largely about, that, that connection to what we perceive as food is, is actually destroying the, our, our life. The important thing is getting this abundance of plants, and there's so many different plants in the, in the world that you're really not going to be short of choices. Again, like harping back to this, this health side of it all, you know, like a, an abundance of plants in your diet is the number one contributor for a healthy gut microbiome. So, I mean, that's really poignant at this stage um, with what's happening in, in the world with um with the virus going around, you know, our at least at least seventy percent of our immune function comes from our gut itself. And we need to be feeding our gut the right foods to be healthy. Uh, so again, an abundance of plants are what contributes most significantly to a healthy gut microbiome. And that's going to contribute to a stronger immune system and set yourself up, setting yourself up to be able to to sustain um, yourself in, in times when, you know, whether it's the flu or whether it's this, this serious thing that's going around at the moment, is setting yourself up to be able to fight that process or fight that attack to, the, you know, your body's the best, best ability. Like I said before, only, yeah, 97% of Australians are fiber deficient, you know, and that's 
when what I was saying is that's the main contributor to a healthy gut microbiome. So we're we're all immune immune compromised in a way when we consider yeah that that statistic. Again, you know, I've gone off on this this other sort of area here. <laughs> uh, sort of, yeah, I get a bit caught up. That's what I'm passionate about, I guess. Yeah. Have you got any hands-on cooking tips or even non-cooking tips, you know, about how to just bring in more plant-based food onto the plate? First thing I would do is, is take yourself and your family down to a farmer's market and experience food in its abundance, in its local capacity, in, this, in its seasonality that you'll only get at a farmer's market. You know, like you go to the supermarket and you might be able to get asparagus all year round. Whereas we go to the farmer's market and we're seeing what's actually most nourishing and what's in abundance locally. And by taking yourself and your family down there, you can start to get excited about the abundance of different foods that are out there. So that's the first step. As far as, yeah, tips and hints, again, like just, just cooking a recipe that, that you're familiar with and setting some time aside to experiment as well through the week. Finding flavors that you enjoy, so whether it's that you've got a spice mix that you make up once a week. Um, you know, for example, I have uh, a butter curry spice mix. It's just a mixture of different dried spices. Um, and I can use that when I make a curry, or I can use it when I make um, a chickpea scramble, or I can, you know, sprinkle it into a dressing for a salad, you know, something that has multiple uses like that. And again, so through my classes, a big, big portion of it is around how we can utilize foods in different ways to minimize just cooking things. You know, again, like looking up a million different recipes and cooking a different one every night. It's about getting creative in the kitchen and ideally not following a recipe anymore because the recipe is restrictive and it doesn't take into consideration, again, when that seasonality that, that appears when you, you're buying fresh produce in its freshest and local, you know, a local sort of situation. So, yeah, thinking about food in a different way, thinking about your, your meal prep in the week in a different way so that you're actually just utilising the same foods in different ways. I do put up recipes from time to time on our social pages, so whether it's on Facebook or Instagram, at Grassroot Chef Vegan. And so we do put up recipes and ideas fairly regularly in, in that context. When you come to a class, of course, I'll send you whatever recipes we do during the class. And then, and you know, I say to people in my class or to people that I meet through the week, you know, if you're interested in something, just send me an email and I can send you a recipe or send you an idea of how to do something. Because, yeah, ultimately, like, I, I have no secrets or no agenda in that, in that respect. I want people to be able to create beautiful food in their own home. So I have no hold-ups in sharing my recipes. My only problem will be that, that sometimes I don't have a recipe for something I put up potentially because, because as we said, it's when we get step into the kitchen, it's about creating and um, you know breaking down that idea of needing a recipe. So yeah, well, I, I appreciate that people need somewhere to start, and a recipe is a great spot to start. It's also about being flexible within that recipe. So you know, if you need sweet potato, maybe you can only get pumpkin. You know, like just just starting to think about ways you can alter alternate those those in a recipe you know you know if you do need to follow a recipe still not being rigid with it is definitely important awesome well ash i think we better wrap up um we've wrap it up, yeah. i don't know i really like talking to someone who's putting their actions where their values are and willing to take an opinion and look at things i guess as an independent thinker so it's been refreshing chatting mm. with you thank you very much 
If you've enjoyed this conversation and know people who'd be interested in knowing more about this topic, then show them you care and send them the link to this podcast. To keep up with our Gutsy Matters conversations, subscribe and share with your friends. For extras, follow Stored Naturally on Facebook and Instagram. Gutsy Matters podcast is brought to you by Stored Naturally. We are the creators of the all-natural hemp fresh produce enhancer for longer-lasting and healthier fresh food kept in the fridge. Available at storednaturally.com.